You are listening to Let Me Overthink About It, where I dive into a series of topics that occupy my anxious mind. I'm Sam Mador, overthinker extraordinaire. This week, I'm overthinking about self-doubt with Leanne Whiting and Amanda Kirby Shepard. Self-doubt. I think a lot of us suffer from self-doubt, doubting ourselves, doubting our abilities. And I think oftentimes too, we look at others and assume that they don't have self-doubt, that we think they've got it all together. So I'm excited to overthink this topic with Leanne and Amanda. They are both with Grow a Lotus Yoga Studio. It is a school dedicated to embodying the practices of yoga through movement, mindfulness, and empathy. It also is the home of the Breathe Read Yoga program. And Leanne is the owner. Amanda joined Grow a Lotus in late 2021 as the director of sales and marketing. Here's our chat. I am here with Leanne Whiting and Amanda Kirby Shepard, and we are going to be overthinking about self-doubt. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. This is, okay, so Amanda, just to give a little background, Amanda, we've been friends for a long time. <laughs> like A I, very, very long time. I want to say 20 years, maybe not that long. Um, well, if not close. Definitely close. I'm just meeting Leanne though now for the first time, which is great. It's so nice to meet you. And Leanne or Amanda, you had reached out to me. This was a while ago now about um, talking about self-doubt. And I was like, man, I feel like this conversation more than any other could take like a couple of hours. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, especially with three people talking about self-doubt. It's like, man, three women in particular talking about self-doubt. Uh, But thank you for that, for reaching out, because A, I get to meet Leanne, which is great, and also get to chat about a topic that I think a lot of women, honestly, especially women in business, struggle with. So let's get started by asking both of you, what does self-doubt mean to you? What does that look like for you? Let's start with Leanne. Okay. Um... You know, self-doubt really much for me is it's like that voice in my head that's uh, saying like, are you good enough? Or are you sure? It's like, you know, it's almost like I might be on the edge of a cliff ready to like dive in the waters. And then self-doubt is like that just last minute voice. Like, really? Like, are you sure you're, you're going to do that? Or is this the right thing? Or what? You Are you sure? Do you know what's underneath the water there? And so it's that little voice in my head that's just kind of doubting myself, who I am, what I'm doing, my actions, even though I've got the confidence of, like, I'm a good swimmer. I can dive in the waters. I know this. But I've got that little doubt in my head, that little voice that that wonders, really. Yeah. (laughs) Are you sure? That's fair. How about you, Amanda? What What does that look like for you? Um, to me, it's, it's very similar. It's a lot of, um, worry Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of like internal focus to me. Like I was trying to think about the difference between imposter syndrome and self-doubt. Um, and I think it's a fine line, but to me, it's, it's about, again, being confident in your abilities, whereas I think the opposite in imposter syndrome is you're afraid everybody's going to realize that you actually don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. um, 
so it's it's just it's a small tweak, but it's like I know how to do this. I'm good at it. Um, whether it's work or maybe it's a relationship, and you're confident in where you are in a relationship with a partner, but then um, the, the that spiral of like worrying, and then I was confident. Wait a second, whether it, I think self doubt is natural, but if you're in a situation where someone then questions questions you questions your ability are you really sure um that little seed of self-doubt gets planted for me and then I will hold on to that like something that, at a Black Friday sale somebody's trying to steal from me like that is <laughs> nice analogy like a, like a light raft that's probably a healthier analogy <laughs> healthier but maybe less relatable so I like your first analogy as well uh and like you said I think it's like a natural thing for us to question especially when somebody else like you're saying if somebody else questions your ability then that's the first seed to be planted and that's the end of it like it all it takes is that one little seed before you start kind of unraveling into into doubting yourself and just to give a little bit of background on you guys because you guys I feel like part of our conversation is going to end up going to you guys sort of helping each other through self-doubt if I can jump ahead a little bit because maybe just give us an idea of how you guys work together first of all and then I feel like that's going to lead into a good conversation around how you kind of help each other out of some of those feelings of, of doubt. Sure. Um, would it be helpful to start a little background, not just how we work together, but how we know each other? Sure. Yeah. You, you mentioned, maybe I'll start with that. And Amanda, you can uh, jump in on working together. Um, you mentioned Sam, you and Amanda have known each other for almost 20 years. And Amanda and I um, have known each other for both the same, I think, or almost as much. We played uh, volleyball together at uh, okay. university. And so we played varsity volleyball together and became friends and teammates at that time. And over the years have stayed connected in different ways, you know, and um, I, and then Amanda broke her pelvis <laughs> and I learned about that. And um, I had been closed as a business owner for two years because of the pandemic. And as soon as I learned that Amanda had broken her pelvis, one, I was like, oh gosh, I hope she's okay. And two, oh, I hope she can work for me. <laughs> Amanda do you want to jump in now what Amanda <laughs> it, it's it's very uh serendipitous how Leanne and I reconnected um again we've always we've always been in touch and when she moved back from Hong Kong a number of years ago she moved uh to the north end so she was just around the corner um when I broke my pelvis my orthopedic surgeon um, turned out to be her partner, Nathan, oh. um, who I knew from my, uh, my other previous life working, um, at a university. And so when I went for my final checkup and he asked how work was and I said, well, I don't work there anymore. He was like, Oh, I should tell Leanne that. And Leanne was like, Oh, I'm sorry. She broke her pelvis, but is, is she good ready to go back to work? <laughs> It's like, she doesn't need her pelvis to do what I need her to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she can start now. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. So 
and we chatted a little bit before we went live, uh, Amanda, you're helping with sort of marketing and promotion of Leanne's business, correct? Yes. So Leanne owns um, a yoga business. And like she said, she was closed for two years, essentially during the pandemic, because her studio uh, is small and you couldn't stay six feet apart in it in, uh, in, a, in any way that would work. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about, um, the program that she has, but she pivoted during the pandemic to a new program that is online, uh, which works great when you're doing virtual school. Um, but then also works great because you're able to reach so many people, um, more than just, you know, an individual yoga teacher going to an individual classroom teaching Mm -hmm. for 45 minutes. Um, and now, you know, having this opportunity to be able to share what she's doing at a time when I was also looking for work, it worked, it worked out perfectly. And I, I really believe in what she does. Otherwise, like I, I, people have always said like, oh, you should work in sales. I'm like, oh, nothing against sales. It just doesn't feel right to me because you're usually selling a thing, a product, um, yeah. And the end goal is to sell it and make money. I believe in what Leanne does and I believe in her as a person because we've been friends for so long. So it's just like, it's a, it's an easy, it's an easy job to have. And technically you are selling her, right? I'm, I'm selling her, but she's like the nicest person in the world. So it's right. not a hard sell. My job is pretty easy. <laughs> that's awesome. I think, you know, here laughing about sales, that's a, a really key part of our relationship. So Amanda, like marketing, communication, sales, but the, the way you said it was selling me, you know, in a sense, it's true. And that's, you know, probably where my self-doubt comes in. Like, can I sell myself? And, you know, it, it's, it was interesting during the pandemic. So I had a yoga studio that was closed and also part of my business was going into schools and working with teachers, both in professional development programs, but also teaching yoga to kids. And when schools closed, of course, I can't go into schools anymore. And, you know, everybody had pivoted online and there was this just, you know, everybody's in a bit of a, a survival, but also like what next, what's happening. And so I, changed my yoga studio from a yoga studio to a green read studio and one of the walls of my yoga studio was painted green so that while the world was closed I could go in my studio and film yoga classes for children and for schools and the way I've always done taught yoga for kids has been through literature through story and so we start with a little breathing practice we read a, a, a story and then like we bring the story to life almost like a, a theater but the story comes to life through yoga postures and so this used to be done in person and when that option wasn't there you know I I was almost left with like this this option that I was like okay well this has the potential to reach so many more children, so many more schools. I, as an individual, can only go to so many schools. But as an online resource, the teachers around the world could use this program. And so, you know, I tapped into that creative mode and I, I read stories and I brought them to life. And it's, it's what I love to do. I, you know, in many ways, I'm a storyteller at heart. And then came the, oh, no, I've got this product now what? And that's like me at this cliff ready to jump off. And that's, you know, Amanda came in at just the right time. And yes, she's selling me. 
Um, but um, that's her expertise. And so this really, it's this really um, beautiful relationship and how it's all unfolded is that I'm creating the content, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, well, we could say the expert in my field. I've been, I've been practicing yoga, teaching yoga, working in the field of education for over 20 years. And this is, this is what I love to do and how I um, bring, bring it to life in this way. But then the, I stand at the edge of the cliff and I'm terrified of diving when it comes to selling. Totally. And I feel like that's the case for a lot of entrepreneurs. It's like the thought of actually taking that next step. It's like, yeah, you can have all kinds of great ideas of what you want to put out into the world. And like you're saying, the programs and how to pivot when necessary and all of those things. But the minute you have to say, look at this great thing I did, it's like, holy crap, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And, you know, all the dope comes in, all the, like, you know, am I good enough? It's not even, is the product good enough? It's, am I good enough? You know, there's a worthiness aspect to this. There's so many different voices that are are just almost freezing me on the inside going, ah, And I think to just seeing a little bit of how, uh, what you're putting out in terms of, you know, what I see on your website and what I see on your Instagram, I feel like as an entrepreneur myself, I feel like when I put something out about myself, selling myself, it's like, I'm just going to put that over there. I hope people find it. You know what I mean? I'll put it out there once. I'm sure that everybody that needs to will find that. But how... And I'll do it quietly. I'm going to do it really <laughs> quietly so that nobody really actually sees it or hears me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it really quietly. <laughs> why, didn't everybody, why didn't everybody see that? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Why didn't everybody see it? But I feel like what Amanda has can bring to that, maybe, Amanda, I think has I need, brought, I need yeah. you too, is to like put that... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Is to continue to put that out there, recognizing the value of repeating that message because otherwise it'll get lost. Absolutely. Repeating the message and speaking to those who we're aiming to speak to, you know, really looking at our target audience and, you know, reaching principals and teachers and talking directly to them rather than just, you know, hey world, here this is, I hope the right people find it. And how do you do that? I'm going to look to you, Amanda. How do you know the, who those people are? Where do you find that audience of people that you know are going to resonate with that message? It's funny that you say that because um, I didn't or we didn't <laughs> um, at all, really. Um, when we first started working together, um, I think we really collaborated on trying to figure out exactly like polishing that product that Leanne had created and this idea that she had and trying to figure out how do we make it into a marketable product? How can we make it in, like, how do you make money on it? Mm. And how do we sell it? And who in, you know, who do we sell it to? Who wants it? Um, And then how much does that cost? Because how much money does the school have? And literally there is no blueprint or, or anything for this because she has created it. Um, and I think, you know, if you, if you even go back to me, that's where, again, that self-doubt creeps in because you're figuring it out as you go along. I know that I have no doubt in myself uh, if I'm making a recipe because I can follow it. And if I follow it, I know it's going to be 
correct and it's going to succeed and I'm going to have something nice to eat. Um, When there is no recipe, I am not good necessarily. I don't, it's not that I'm not good. See, I just did it right there. It's not that I'm not good at being able to throw ingredients together or figure out how to make something. I'm just more comfortable with the recipe. I doubt my ability to be able to throw it together, but in the end, I'm actually good at that. Yeah. Take it back. Take it back. Take it back. (laughs) It's like you need that person to just kind of smuck you across the face when you, when you catch yourself saying things like that, because it's so easy for us to say the things that you just said, like, oh, I'm not good at that. But no, it's just that it's outside. Maybe it's a little bit outside my comfort zone, but I can still pull it out when I need to. It's that it's, that's a huge part, not being good at something and not being comfortable are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. They are layered into the same, you know, shit sandwich. Lasagna. (laughs) Basically, exactly. Same lasagna. That's a better analogy. Um, (laughs) More PG. Um, (laughs) Right. so we like you know to get back to your question about like how did we like who do how did we know who to talk to? Um, we kind of figured it out as we went. We talked to um, my best friend is a teacher, <laughs> vice principal actually. So um, we picked her brain and asked questions, and we I suggested to Leanne that we just start cold emailing basically um, principals, and then Stephanie, my best friend, suggested vice principals and PE teachers. And any friends that we knew who were teachers or family that we knew who were teachers. And just, I wrote an email every week for Leanne to send that was, hey, here's our really awesome program. Um, This is me. Here's how you can get it. And in some cases, we were able to say, and here's how you can get it for free or get it subsidized because we discovered a grant in the city um, to help pay for it. So it was very, but teachers are busy. Principals are busy. COVID made them insanely busy. Um, So, you know, I suggested that we email them every Monday. And Leanne at first was like, what? (laughs) I would never have done that, ever. (laughs) She's like, are you really sure about that? And I found an article online that said, on average, like the sale is closed after the seventh or eighth contact because you have to keep contacting somebody and if they don't want to and that's always kind of like my gimmick at the end is like you can just tell me to buzz off if this is like if I am barking up the wrong tree um and you want me to stop bugging you just tell me and I will go away but again it's it's repeating the message right it's not just throwing it out there that one time and hoping that it sticks or hoping that somebody picks it up right it's yeah and I feel like the self-doubt part too is feeling like I'm going to drive this person crazy like my idea is good but it's not good enough to like withstand seven times reaching out to this person (laughs) absolutely (laughs) it's got to be really awesome if I'm going to reach out seven times but having somebody else there as sort of a, a partner I guess to sort of be the one to push through that I think would be hugely beneficial. Extremely. I couldn't agree more. And that it kind of is, it's very nuanced because it's, I often, I often ask myself, uh, would I feel the same way if I were a man uh, in that situation? Right. So when you kind of have that doubt of, you know, am I bugging somebody because I'm emailing them every Monday um, when really they're going, 
oh, that's right. I keep meaning to click that link. I keep meaning to do the seven day trial. I keep meaning to reply and say, I'd really like more information. But then like this kid just came in and he's bleeding um, or right. This kid just came in and lost his backpack or is having a meltdown and, you know, fire, fire, fire. Um, yeah. So of course, you know, you get distracted. Everybody does that. Um, it's about trying again, I think, too, to interrupt your thought process in there where you're like, oh, am I annoying somebody? I'm bugging somebody. I'm being too much. Um, maybe I'll just, they should just know because it's so good when they read it the first time. They should just know and then follow up and then that should be fine. But like, do guys think that? Maybe some guys do. But I feel like they're programmed from a younger age to just kind of be like, your idea is good. So just keep talking about it until you get your own. Get your own way. It's that relationship between confidence and doubt and, you know, all of those things that intertwine. And I'm glad you brought up the gender question because I think of that often as an entrepreneur, how female entrepreneurs look so different from male entrepreneurs in terms of exactly what you're saying, putting yourself out there. Um, how do you feel about that, Leanne, from a perspective of just even starting your business or like... Or, I mean, again, going back to this this program idea as a female versus male entrepreneur. Yeah, I guess I've not necessarily considered or compared, like, what if I was male in that way? But, you know, just so traditionally, prior to being an entrepreneur, I was an elementary school teacher, which is traditionally a more female role. Mm -hmm. um, and so taking the leap and stopping teaching in the traditional elementary classroom and moving into starting a business that was scary um that was scary just as a human right I, I don't know if that like as a female it's all you know I think as a female just what it you know there's a sense of empowerment that I want to have as a female entrepreneur and self-doubt gets in the way of that and so, you know, would, if I was a male, would I have that same self-doubt? Um, I don't know, but I do know that I like the, the feeling of, um, being a female entrepreneur does have a sense of empowerment. Um, but like I said, self-doubt certainly like weaves its way in and, um, and it's not that I'm not confident in my offerings and in the program and what I'm doing. And when I reflect back on confidence, you know, then I can almost like put self-doubt to the side. Self-doubt, I think, can kind of like, uh, you know, like win over, um, sorry, confidence can win over self-doubt mm -hmm. when you remember it or when I remember it. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's, um, that I think is probably the most important thing is to, to really like remember confidence and the self-awareness is key. Like when I notice self-doubt coming in, then I can stop and reflect back on the confidence and step back on this, the, the feeling of empowerment that is there. Um, and that's the, that's the, that's the inspiration that I want to have, um, both for myself and for others. I want to have that as a female entrepreneur. I want to, I want to inspire others to, to do the same, to step into their own empowerment and to, you know, not get rid of self-doubt. I think self-doubt also can be really helpful. It can, it can remind us, um, of who we are. And so to really have the awareness of seeing it and noticing it, 
and not to let it take over. It's such a delicate balance. How do you balance that? Like, how do you, in the busy, in a the run of a busy day when you're trying to make a living, obviously, value yourself the right way and, and do all of those things, how do you how do you balance it when you have that moment of just like, what the F am I even doing? You know, like I'm assuming you have that feeling. (laughs) I hope you do. I hope hope I'm not the only one. (laughs) You're definitely not the only one. How do you balance that out? You know, there's one word that um, came to mind when you're asking the question and it's grace. And Amanda has said this to me many times. She said, give yourself grace. And that is one way, you know, and I remind myself, or luckily now I have Amanda to remind me also, (laughs) is I give myself grace. I love that. You can give yourself grace. It's so hard to get, or so easy, sorry, to get lost in self-doubt or self-sabotage or whatever that looks like. And, and really at the end of the day, it's not rocket science that you're doing. Right. And I don't mean to say that in a disrespectful way, um, but just putting that into perspective, really. Absolutely. I can touch on something that I think is a bit unique in our relationship, like mine and Lance's relationship, I mean, is, um, you know, we kind of talked about, it's like, you know, why do we have such a good relationship? Why do, why did this seem so effortless when we started working together? Um, just because your friends also doesn't mean you can work together. Um, also that's not a good example because Sam and I worked together and we were friends and it was good, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's been about 20 uh, years since we have though, Amanda, to be fair. It's, it's true. <laughs> Maybe 15. <laughs> um, but we met um, as teammates, sports teammates. And Ooh. so we spent a lot of time together, you know, growing, learning skills, cheering each other on, um, encouraging each other when, you know, my God, like that's all you do in a volleyball practice, especially if someone's trying to do a touch 10 drill or something like that. And they're trying to do time or they're trying to get, you know, 10 balls up before you know, so they can stop. (laughs) You're just, you cheer each other on and you help lift each other up. And I think that's just kind of now innate in our friendship. Um, because that's, I don't know, it's maybe nature versus nurture or what would be the opposite because it's more nurture, but we, we, that's, there's a, there's a level of trust that we have with each other that is kind of, it's, Leanne said it very well earlier to me that, it feels effortless, but a lot of effort actually went into it because we spent a lot of time together and um, worked really hard to build that kind of a trust. It didn't just happen. Right. Um, but as a team, I love the analogy as a teammate, like working on, like, cause a lot of people obviously can put that in their minds as a great example of how you have to build from the, from the bottom and work your way up to that trust level in a, on a team. It's very hard to just, um, and it's not to say it's impossible, but it's very hard to just, um, let go and completely trust someone. If you think about it in a specific, well, in any part of your life, whether it's a romantic relationship or work environment or a friendship, um, because there's a lot of risk involved with that. That's a lot of vulnerability. So if you go to a new job, for example, and you've never worked there before, um, or you start dating a new person, 
you know, there are wonderful people out there who are wholehearted, jump right in and like, you know, until you burn me, I'm going to believe 100% in this. But that's to me not have been my experience. Um, And there's the cynics among us. (laughs) Necessarily in some cases it has. Um, But, you know, that having having already built that trust and friendship. And um, I mean, both of you know, um, I can probably put my foot in my mouth by being a little too honest and a little too blunt sometimes, um, which isn't awesome um, as a woman in the workplace. Again, I think if I was a man, it wouldn't be so bothersome, but um, we're able to be honest with each other in a way that's not mean. Um, And again, I think that it comes from trust that I know I can trust that whatever, if it's feedback on something, um, whether it's, you know, a social media post that she doesn't like the the tone of, um, or if I have a question about, you know, again, if I'm doubting myself and Leanne says like, give yourself grace or, um, you know, you're overthinking this, just trust your gut. Cause I trust you. Um, that kind of interrupts that negative thought pattern and it's like, right. Cause we're kind of, you know, cheerleaders. It's such, I'm, I'm so envious because I feel like that really is something lacking in a lot of small businesses because people are solo entrepreneurs and, and to be fair, it is still Leanne's business, but it's that support in that very specific way is like you guys are partners in the organization because you have each other's backs and you are kind of cheering each other on behind the scenes. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Quite honestly. <laughs> um, but I keep going back to the gender thing and I apologize. I always get off track here at some point in the conversation. But when you're talking about gender too, I like what you're saying too, Amanda, being direct sometimes as a female is seen as aggressive. Whereas if you're a male, it's seen as assertive, which is something that has tripped me up in, in a lot of ways too. But the other thing, when we were going back to talking about valuing your services, so when you guys were first kind of looking and putting pen to paper and saying, how much do we actually charge for this? I feel like it's a lot easier for, for men to value their work higher than women as well. Would you guys agree with that? Yes, I'll say yes to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... And yes, I think in general, like there is like a worth value that as women, we struggle to put a number on. Yeah. And, you know, I have been in business as a small business owner for almost 13 years. And I, I really had to grow in, um, in my confidence of putting a value on as a dollar sign. Yeah. You know, and there have been many things that I have given away or that I have said yes to, even though deep down I, I think, oh, like, you know, I should charge for this or I should charge more for this. And, you know, I, I've grown, um, you know, a lot over this time to really um, feel confident. And so less so now would I say yeah. that, but it's taken me over a decade to feel this way. Right. Yeah. I just, I agree with what you're saying. Cause I just feel like, we're more inclined 
we're less inclined to value our time. So if it's like a service that we're providing, it's like, yeah, that's going to take me two hours to do it, but we need to actually value those two hours as time that we need to be making money, quite frankly, right? So it's like, okay, I need to assign a dollar value to that period of time specifically. Absolutely. Yeah, it can be, it can be tough for sure. Yeah, and that, I mean, that time that we're putting a value on is all the all the work that we've done before so that, that you might not see, you know, so yeah. all that, all, you know, I'm putting a dollar value on my education, on my experience, on decades of, um, you know, hard work, like blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> and, you know, I'm putting a value on it so that I, one, I value all that blood, sweat, and tears. I value my education. I value my experience. Um, and also it's, you know, it's a, feeding my family. Like we also, as females need to support ourselves in our own way. So there's, yeah. there's two ways to look at it. There's like the, the just basic needs that we need to, you know, money to survive and feed our family and feed ourselves and take care of ourselves. But it's also, there's the money value of, um, um, that that's like, that's the part you can't see putting a value on who you are yeah, and all, all the wisdom that comes behind your years of experience. And they're really, you know, there is value in that. And that's a really important to put a, a dollar sign on that. Yeah, absolutely. And so one thing we haven't chatted about yet is your book, which I yeah. do not want to miss the opportunity to plug your book and, Okay. It's be like a tree, correct? Correct. Yes. So tell me, and so there's a little backstory to why this book is near and dear to me, which is that your inspiration came from Sugar Moon Farm, which is just about a 30 minute drive from my house. I absolutely love it there. It's such a beautiful spot in Tatamaga or Earl town, area. And so I love that the inspiration for this book came from, from there in particular, but maybe just give us a little bit of background, um, on where the inspiration for the book came from, what the book's about. Sure. Um, so as you said, it is, you know, that, that hike, um, Rogar Mountain yeah. is one of my favorite hikes and it's a sugar moon farm. And I, um, my birthday's in the winter and every winter I, do that hike. It's kind of a traditional around my birthday. I, I, I do that hike with friends, with family, with whoever's up for joining. And every year, I would, so there it is. Amanda has it there. See? Every year, I would pass this Always tree. <laughs> yeah. Amanda has the copy there. I have it not in front of me. That's why she's here. Um, but there's a tree. It's about three and almost three and a half kilometers on the trail. And every year I would pass this tree that stands in tree pose. And I would just, you know, see this tree and I'd take a moment with this tree in tree pose and just, you know, the, the grounding presence and also just the playfulness of a tree in tree pose. Because in yoga, like most people, you know, if you're practicing yoga, most people know tree pose. It's a, yeah. you know, it's a common pose. It's a common posture. And, but if you think of a tree that you see, trees don't stand like that. And so I've always found a little like joy in seeing that tree in tree pose. And there was one particular year, and this is where this, the meaning of the book gets a little personal that um, not many people know, but I'll, I'll share it, that there was one particular year that I was hiking and I saw that tree. And I saw the tree standing in tree pose. And I had this like wonder and curiosity about like how that tree feels standing amongst this forest of other trees 
completely different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this tree doesn't fit in with the others and it, it looks different. It, you know, in my, in my uh, mind, it must feel different. And there it was just standing there like tall and strong. And, you know, that particular year, I was, my nephew was struggling a little bit and um, he was just struggling in his finding himself, you know, feeling his own confidence and feeling his, um, probably also feeling a little bit different than all the other trees or all the other um, people around him. And, I, I struggled as an aunt. How do I help? You know, working with children for so many years, like, how do I help? What do I do with my, with my nephew in a way that it's loving and supportive? And, um, this is what I did. I wrote the book. Um, I wrote the book from my perspective of, of, I wonder what is it like to feel different amongst everybody else in the forest? And wow. so that the boy in the story is um, a little bit inspired by my nephew, who I was also wondering, like, how, how is he feeling? What is it like for him to feel so different amongst others? And um, I'm, yeah, I'm shaking as I tell it, just the, the emotional and just the sensitivity of it. And it's um, so after seeing that tree that one particular year and having that wonder of like, Oh, I wonder, is this like, is this how he feels in a forest where everybody's different um, than him? And the book just almost unfolded as I walked down the rest of the, the hike. I literally wrote the book in my head and I was with friends at the time. And I, I never did ask them what the rest of the hike was for them, but I didn't talk to them. <laughs> I just, like, I don't know what they, if I, I don't even remember, like they were behind me. I, they probably didn't care. They were probably enjoying the beauty of the hike, but I never did actually ask them, like, did you ever wonder, were, like, were you, was that okay? But I just, I wrote the book in my head. And when I got to the end of the trail at Sugar Moon, I sat down and I, I wrote it on paper and then I closed the book and I didn't open it till a few years later. Probably oh my two gosh. Or three. Wow. Yeah. So there's self-doubt. <laughs> there's self-doubt at its highest. I was wondering how we were going to tie it back in, but there you go. <laughs> there it is. And so, but it was always in the back of my mind and how I just had this inner feeling of how um, that story just um, had so much potential to speak to other children. And I just, you know, I, so I, I just one day opened the book and I read it, I read my notes again and I just started writing in the form of the story and I reached out to, um, yeah, I just reached out to a few people to, to ask for some, um, help actually Sherry Fitch was one of the, one of my favorite authors that I reached out to yes. and she's not far from Tadamagush and yeah. I, every year I go to her, um, Mabel Murple's farm and she read it and she was so encouraging she, and so supportive that I, I kept going. I found an editor and then we published it. And my, my, one of my best friends from childhood and her mother illustrated it. So that has mean as well. Um, Megan Adamski and her mom, Debbie Mosier, they were the illustrators and they've known me since elementary school. Um, and they're, you know, brilliant illustrations. So every part of that book has so much meaning to me totally. that then to put it together was just, um, this beautiful, like, um, object that I could then share. And when I think about now the, the timing and the ironies, so the book has like, you know, so I, I just shared the story a little bit, a boy, you know, like connecting to the tree, um, learning to stand in his own confidence, just like the tree did. And, and, and really you know, owning that, that self-confidence, having a sense of self-awareness and then, and then being self-confident. Um, throughout the book are little yoga emojis. And so the book is also ah. how I teach kids yoga. So I'll, while you read the story, 
you can also bring the story to life. And if you don't know how to do that, there's yoga postures beside the words to help you and to, to be there for you. And so there they are. Yeah, they're right there that, you know, as you Very stand cool. in a tree, tree poses there. And so you don't have to know anything about yoga. You can just follow the pictures and the illustrations. Yeah. That is how I teach children yoga. And so it also became this tool for teachers to use in schools that they can reach to their students and then have an interactive and dynamic yoga class with literature. The timing of that was also, you know, who knew that it was, it was published just a year before this global pandemic that actually yeah. can be a, a resource that is now being brought to life through Breathe Read Yoga. So the book's just one um, um, artifact, <laughs> one way, one tangible way to have in your classroom. Um, Breathe Read Yoga is kind of a continuation of many ways to bring stories to life. That is so cool. I really love the interactive piece to it, especially because you're, you're getting the, you're getting the story into your body basically. Right. So, yeah. And who can't relate on some level on, in some fashion or on some random day to feeling like the outcast, right. Or feeling like that person who is, who is different and, uh, man, wow. I, I love I love hearing always the inspiration behind any book, um, and especially if it's uh, a book that's going to resonate with kids. I think that's amazing. Thanks. Very Thanks. cool. Amanda, yeah. I know you want to add something to talking about the book. Here comes the sales pitch. Yeah, here it comes. All like, like you well, know, this and this is how I say thank you. <laughs> but this is how I heard about the book. I saw Amanda last, I don't know when it was, last year or year or so ago, you um you talking about it. And so that's how I I was introduced to the book. So again, you have that, you know, word of mouth and and uh spreading the word. The, um, what I think is really neat too, that, um, I don't know if Leanne gives herself enough credit for is all of that experience and background that she has from working in education, um, working with children, studying yoga and how yoga works with children that when she, there's so much intention behind the book and also like behind her program that has evolved from the book. So it's not just, you know, her drawing, not, not that there's anything wrong with children's books uh, or programming that's silly and fun and colorful and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that there also can't be a deeper meaning behind it. And she brings that expertise and knowledge to the books that she selects to do the yoga classes to in Breathe Read Yoga. It's not just the most popular book that's on, you know, chapters Indigo's top 10 list. It's books with representation and diversity and, um, you know, topics around gratitude and honesty and self-confidence. And then that extra layer builds in there where not only are the kids being read these books, um, there's all this research out there that shows that when children hear stories and, and see stories that represent them, um, that helps build their self-confidence and their self-worth and helps other children be more empathetic to each other because they understand a little bit about their cultures um, or their backgrounds. And it's, I wouldn't know how to do that. 
right? Um, and, you know, just as she can turn to me and say, like, I wouldn't know how to sell the book. I might do one social media post about it. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of it because I don't want to bug anybody or, um, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. And how did you see it? And instead of like, I'm going to post every day and I'm going to put it on stories and we're going to do a contest. Um, because I can, rep- I can see, I don't know any of this. I don't know how to do yoga. I don't know how to teach yoga. Um, your many, many layers of intention and expertise that go into this make it easy for me to sell because I believe in it. And then as soon as somebody else hears about it, they're like, that's awesome. Um, so again, it's not like, oh, thank you. It's not like I'm selling vacuums. <laughs> right? And knocking on your door and being like, hi, I can revolutionize your life with this. That's faster. It's that intention and the meaning behind it. 100%. All that, all that we connect by is stories, right? Like that's, that's how we connect with one another. That's all of what social media is. If you really want to like narrow it down, um, is whose stories are you are resonating with you. And so to be able to take that obviously one step further and have the book and, and also have the practice that goes along with it. I mean, amazing. Um, I just happen to have three kids books that you could use for that program. I'm just going to shamelessly plug myself there for a second. If you have any interest in some mental health kids books, you know where to find them. Absolutely. Please do. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So guys, I'm going to close off. I have a question that I ask everyone. Um, Do you guys have inspirational quotes that you go to? And you can say no, obviously, but do you have quotes that you go to when uh, you just need that extra push. I know we talked about grace already. Is there, is there maybe another quote you go to? I can think of a few favorites, but I think, um, just very relative to this conversation and self-doubt, the one that really, that I used as a quote that when I left teaching to move into entrepreneurship and that, you know, is always with me, it's never not there, um, is if not now, when, Nice one. I love it. How about you, Amanda? I won't, I don't say necessarily I have a quote that I, um, like kind of use as, as motivation or as an affirmation, but, um, I, when I go to bed and when I go to sleep every night and to try and quiet my racing mind, um, and also I've done all kinds of research too on, on interrupting negative thought patterns by, by consciously making a decision to think about something else mm-hmm. um, is I, I do a, like a mini gratitude practice in my brain. And mm-hmm. I have over the years, you know, I have a gratitude journal. It's, it's next to, you know, my bedside table. I don't pick it up because when I go to bed, I literally fall into bed and I'm super exhausted, I, but I feel better when I do do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure over the years I've had a number of different iterations of that. Like, what are three things you're grateful for? When we put my son to bed, he's uh, Harrison is six and a half. As for as long as I can remember, we ask. Well, probably since he could talk, um, we ask him what his favorite part of the day was, and he'll tell us. And then we he asks us, and we tell him. Um, but when I go to bed, I try and think of three things that I'm grateful for that happened that day, um, or. Yeah, basically that, that I'm grateful for that day in particular. Um, and I find I find it a lot easier to fall asleep um, mm-hmm. because I have stopped 
thinking about whatever the thing was that I was worrying about or doubting about or, um, you know, doing that negative self-doubt spiral, self-talk spiral. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like my go-to now. And I don't even know when I really kind of started to commit to it, but it, it works at least for me. I love it. It's switching to making sure you're ending your day on a positive note, as opposed to whatever potential one negative thing that happened that's just kind of <laughs> drilled into your head. I love it. Yep. Yeah. And there's exactly. science behind starting your day that way too, right? It's like, you know, um, focusing instead of, you know, flipping your phone on and going through and scrolling and, you know, doom scrolling or whatever you're doing on Instagram or whatever, is that you, again, you start your day as, with gratitude. And I love that. I love that kind of sandwich. You can start and end your day with, with gratitude. Thank you both so much. This was a great chat, Leanne. It was great to meet you and uh, get to know the, the ins and outs of your book. Where can folks find you? Thank you so much, Sam. It's been really nice to meet you and chat with you. You can find me at growalotus.com. Um, you can find the book there. You can find Breathe Read Yoga, the online children's yoga program there. Great. Breathe Read Yoga is also in all kinds of stores locally across Nova Scotia. You'll find it at Woozles, at Nurtured. Um, it's it's uh, at Mabel Merple. Store in Dartmouth. It's at Mabel Merple. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's open this year, but it's there oh. when she's open. And it's but it's also at Sugar Moon Farm. You can go to Sugar Moon. You can do the hike oh. and bring go home with the book. How so, cool! Um, yeah, yeah. I love it. Thank you both so much. This was really great. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you. you. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, thank you to Leanne and Amanda for overthinking with me about self-doubt, something we all can struggle with from time to time.